You are now listening to Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslet. And now, here is your host, Cephas Crosslet. Hey everyone. Welcome back. It's been it's been an interesting last couple of weeks for me personally, but all that aside, we got a few things we want to talk about. Hey, look, if you are listening to this podcast, let me just get ready, get this out of the way at, at the beginning. Usually I just kind of drop it in out of nowhere in the middle of a thought. So let's just get rid of this at the beginning. If you are <laughs> listening to this podcast because you read this, the description or you heard the trailer and you're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Um, Yeah, maybe there's something I need to li- listen to. Um, Thank you. And But if that was really your intent and you, you're listening to some of this and you're going to be like, oh, what exactly does this mean? I just want to recommend, um, not for the listens, but just so you can understand where all this manifest Christianity, whoa, what, what is that? Whatever this is, where all this is coming from, just listen to episode one all the way to 18. And that is basically... Just me dumping my brain about each and every little thing of this manifest Christianity approach to Christianity. So I don't I don't have time to just go over every single thing. So I'm so happy I did those first 18, ep- 18 episodes. Basically, all these other episodes now, it's basically because I have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> I'm going back. To each of those episodes, starting with episode 19, I go back to episode 2 and in order like that. So episode 20 would be episode 3, episode 21 would be episode 4. And just what I'm talking about is it's just elaborating more and going in a little more detailed into that past episode. So today's episode, I believe, is um, just a little more look into what whatever the heck I was talking about or whatever thoughts, if any new, uh, from episode six. So check out episode six and this one will just be a little more of that. And if not, if you're just listening to this because you think it's entertaining, oh, thank you. Uh, that's kind of what I want to do. <laughs> I'm not really here to inform you. I'm not, you know, I mean, of course, it's the manifest Christianity approach to Christianity. But at the same time, it's like, if you want to take it for entertainment, listen, that's kind of what I want this for. I don't want to get super serious. Now, if this is something serious in, in your life of you're trying to look for some sort of way to understand whatever this confusion is in your life, I am a way, you know? And I'm not saying, oh, I'm the way and the truth. and People are just going to look at me at this obnoxious, like, leader of a cultish, you know, Christian. No, I'm, I'm saying this approach. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. This approach is a way to approach Christianity. Just like there are thousands, if not millions of other approaches, okay? And so my whole thing is just to put it in a, in a gist, uh, uh, in a summary. Uh, I'm sorry for you uh, regular listeners. You got to hear this all over again, but I do this for everyone, just in case it's the first time you're hearing me. If you are the type of quote-unquote Christian, whatever you want to call it, you believe in the Bible, maybe somewhat or a lot, uh, maybe you're a new Christian or an older Christian, and you're just like, 
you know, I've been doing this. I've been part of this one church or I've been part of this one community of faith or this this Bible study group, whatever it is, this prayer group. I've been with this group for this amount of, you know, X amount of years or whatever time. I, you know, and what I'm talking about here is the description of what, what I feel um, people would hmm, consider this approach, why people would consider it. So uh, you're a Christian, you've been with a group for X amount of years, and you have tried your darndest to understand what this group is all about in the sense of like a deep spiritual, you know, a faith affecting type of thing. Um, you have tried to make it work for you, but it just doesn't work. That's, if you're not in it for the entertainment, this is who it's for. This is who I'm, <laughs> this is what I make this podcast for. It's like, yeah, in that sense, it is serious, I guess. Okay, man, I'm just like always taking back my words. <laughs> But if you're the type of Christian that it's just just doesn't make sense and you you've tried and you you're past all that, oh, you know, and I go over this in my other episodes, but I just want to glance over this. Oh, um, I tried, but you know, some people say, Oh, you didn't try with the spirit of God, right? Or or you really you didn't really try. No, no, I'm talking about the people who know you actually did try. You know, you devoted yourself, you, you've done it. You know, you have separated yourself for the, from this and that. Or, you know, you've, you've gone through certain measures to not only prove it to you, but to show others, right? And, you know, that, that you are serious, that you do really want to connect with, quote unquote, the spiritual things or God or Jesus, you know, whatever it is. And it's just not working out. And so this podcast is for people like that. Um. Or just to entertain. <laughs> and so um, we're, we're coming to the point where, you know, I already talked about, you can go to the past, you know, th- what do you do? What do you do if you're in a place like that? You know, that you're, you're, you're in this group, a community of faith. You've been with them for X amount of years. You, you built the relationships. I go through all, I talk about, the, you, you, you have deep-rooted you know, you know, people that you you were vulnerable with spiritually, emotionally. It's very deep moments that you've had. And it, it's just, you just feel it's just not, whatever that thing was, it hasn't been addressed or you addressed it, but it hasn't been resolved for you. And that is a thing that just doesn't work out for you. Whatever it could be. And I talk about a whole bunch of that stuff. I basically tell everyone, you got to take a real leap of faith. The real leap of faith isn't, oh, oh, get rid of all logic so I can understand. You know, that's not the real leap of faith that I'm talking about. The real leap of faith is leaving that faith community that you belong to, but you just don't, it's just not doing it for you. Leaving that group. Because you're you're not you're not getting what you need, and when you leave that group, a lot of things happen, and that's the stuff I talk about.
So hopefully, yeah. Um, today, it's just kind of like a, I hope you guys listen to that stuff. That stuff is, I think it's interesting stuff that I go over. But today we're going to go over uh, certain topics and you probably read the description. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'll check this out. But please go back to those other ones, man, uh, or women. Gosh. So today we're we're just talking about um, in episode six. I I go over the wrong reasons for coming to God, right? And I go over like I talk about how people can come to church for a ton of different reasons, and and I I believe my whole argument is like it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you come, if you're pursuing God, if you're pursuing this faith community uh, with the wrong kind of reasons, the selfish or personal reasons, right? Hopefully it's not like violent. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about violent stuff ever. I'm, talk, I'm always talking about personal, deep, spiritual type of things where you, you do it, you know, as an independent person, not, you know, anything else. But you have maybe maybe you you went to a church because you like the person, right? You you like the girl a lot. You follow, you know, you visit a church. Oh, that girl is really cute, or that man is really handsome. Oh, he doesn't look like he has a uh, a girlfriend or a, a mate or something. Whatever it could be, you know. Oh, business partner stuff, right? You wanna you wanna you know all this. There's so many different reasons. But today I I want to talk about something just just a little skewed of that and i think this is one of the big this this is the kind of stuff that i love uh bringing up because this stuff is real and that's rather than looking at um because it's okay right like i said if you come to god because you have some stupid other reason other than you know true you know personal kind of growth personal connection whatever that means to your life it doesn't matter because you know in the end i feel like the things that you know those things kind of change and if they don't then what's it to anyone else right <laughs> that's i think i hope that's what i talk about please email me if I don't say that. I should have listened to the other episode before I said all this stuff. Maybe I changed. I don't think I did. But other than saying, other than talking about coming to God for selfish reasons, I think a lot of people, a lot of people, without knowing it, and without, you know, and actually explicitly denying it i think actions show that people approach the wrong god for selfish reasons and what what i want to i think it's easy to explain but what i mean by that is Whatever reasons that are selfish to you that you're pursuing God, whether it's to make a, a business deal, make some friends to have some good businesses with, right? Um, finding a mate, you know. Um, 
And then all the, in, and it's not just that, right? Because you're, think about it. You're a person and you literally, you are going to church or you are coming to this faith community, whether it's a prayer group or it's a Bible study, whatever, right? It's like a, a college campus group, whatever you want to call it, a Zoom group, whatever. You're coming to this group thinking that you're going to somehow score uh some sort of relationship. Like I said, whether it means a business deal or, you know, finding a mate or whatever else. But if you think about it, this person who does this, a person that does this, and I speak out of experience. I was that person. I would I came I came to I went to church a long for a long time. I went to church for a long time because I wanted to get girls. And not only that, I wanted to become a leader of a church, whatever, you know, a minister, you know, assistant, whatever that means, you know, oh, the sound guy and the, whatever it is. I wanted to do that because I wanted to get a girl in church. And so I, I speak of this stuff out of experience because I know it's, when I think about it, it's cringe. It's so, it's so, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. But I don't think that I'm alone in this. And so that's why I'm not so ashamed in talking about it. I think it's everybody. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people don't want to come to church to, you know, meet the, a girl or a boy, right? Or, you know, have some good friends in their lives so that they can have good influence, right? And so they m might be able to, you know, gain, you know, in their business or in their lifestyle because of whatever it is. These selfish reasons for coming to church or coming to God, whatever it is, finding, pursuing God, <laughs> people go through certain things when they do that week after week, they're going to church. They want to hide the fact that it's not about that girl. It's not about the boy. It's not about making, you know, you know, enhancing my relationships in a way that, you know, you know, whatever selfish reasons. It's not about that. You know, you, you come to church and you, you sing songs, you listen to the sermons. That does something to people. So, so when you think about all this stuff and people coming, pursuing God for wrong reasons, it's not just that surface type of image that that creates when you say a, a sentence like that, coming to God for the wrong reason, you know, pursuing God for wrong reasons, whether it's relationships, what, that surface image that you think about, it's not that simple, right? When you think about it, think it's an individual coming to church sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week, just so they can make an impression. But at the same time, you're not just coming to church to make an impression because you got to go through the motions or else, you know, people are going to spot you out, <laughs> right? And be like, whoa, 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 hold up, man. What are you doing here? Not in the way that's going to kick you out, but they're going to be like, what was, you know, what's good? But people are going through this and it does something to people. And... I I am under the impression, I believe, that when people are in those faith communities and going through those motions, 
there is some sort of, how do I say this? There is some sort of way that they justify all that, all the reasons why they're there. And somehow they kind of weave it into their own theology that they make, which is totally fine. Everyone has their own theologies that they create. They really do. Some are a little bit different than others. Some are a lot, of, lot bit different. Whatever it is, whatever. But people who do this, they, they start to develop this thing and, and they start to develop a justification of that. And all I'm saying is, you think that you are, if when you do that, right? When people do this, they think that they're still really pursuing God. But I'm just saying it's the wrong God. You got the wrong God. This is more, this is actually very kind of conservative type of theological view. But in the end, it's not, it's kind of just across the board type of thing. You can, you cannot just think that you are still okay with that selfish reason and that justification. And what I'm talking about is this. So people would tend to be like, oh, yeah, you know, over the years, you know, maybe you've been part of, maybe these people have been part of the church for a few months, right? And over those few months, they've been kind of listening to the sermons. They've been getting kind of a little, a little adjusted, you know, to the community when they get there. And they start to, you know, build relationships with the people that they wanted to. And, you know, ahoy, ahoy, these people are not just objects of you, your, your needs and your wants of a relationship or not. They're actually people, right? And so... They start to develop things that, oh, you know, I guess it's okay that I'm here because that's why God brought me here. Maybe that's the reason why, you know? Oh, and it's working out exactly what I, the way I wanted to. And whether those relationships work or not, it's like, oh, but I was, I guess I was meant to be at this church or I guess I was meant to be at this group. And that's what I'm talking about. I don't think that that's something to attribute to God. It's like, just keep that to yourself. Keep that ish to yourself. Because the moment that we we get into those modes where we, we bring in the name of God as kind of like a stamp, you know? And if not the name of God, you know, just that whole concept that, oh, I must be here for a reason. You know, we're basically saying, oh, you know, well, if you believe in God, uh, you know, God must have brought me here. And I'm saying, no, no, no. That's a wrong God. No matter how much we say, oh, but how can we say who God is? How can we do know what? Well, yeah, that's all good and all, but let's not even start there then. Let's not even go there.
because the moment we get into those areas, it, we, we start to back up everything that we want to do. And when we get into those areas where it's like, oh, God meant for us to be here. Oh, God meant for me to do. It's like it's, it, it gets into the zone of, oh, God said, as if we actually know what God said. In the context of when people are like, you know, oh, holier, you know, oh, holy moments, and oh, oh, God is telling me, don't do this in your life, you know, or oh, I'm calling out this, you know, these televangelist type of things. That, that's what I'm kind of talking about, about God said, but this is kind of in the same area of, oh, God meant for this to happen. Well, the thing is, you never, you don't ever know if that is is real. Like, let's let's take let's take about you know when when you're younger, if you're if you're a Christian, you were younger, and you took a test right at school, and you studied so hard, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and and then you still didn't get a good grade, and you say, oh God, must have meant for that to happen, but it's okay, I learned through the process, or or you know even if you're older, yeah, I'm really getting into it, right? This is what I'm talking about. It's the wrong God. That's not, you can't just throw God around like that and say, oh, it's just justifying, right? Like you say, oh, um, let's get even harder. When people in your life go, that's hard. Whether it's in death or relationships, whatever. I'm, I'm talking about just all sorts of things. Let's get away from death because that's kind of morbid, right? And that's kind of sad sometimes. So relationships. When people leave you in your relationship, you know, I know tons of people and even deep down inside they feel... Yeah, you know, I guess it was meant to happen. You know, God meant for this to happen. And there are some people who don't think in those terms, like they don't put God there. And so I'm not talking about you guys. Never mind. But the moment that we bring God into it, and then we do that, we practice that kind of thing that we do. Where we're like, oh, I guess it was meant to happen. Well, I, I don't know what you call that, you know. But all I'm saying is that's a wrong God for your selfish reasons. So if you're going, general speaking, if you're going to pursue God for your selfish reasons, most likely you're pursuing the wrong God. Because you can't just manifest all this stuff in your life that you want, right? I want to manifest this woman to be in my life. I want to manifest this man to be with me. I want to manifest, you know, really good relationships that enhance me and my career, just who I am. I could add to my, you know, whatever. And it's going to be God that's going to be able to bring me that, you know, pursuing God's going to bring all this. That's some sort of health, wealth, prosperity type of stuff if you talk about it, if you think about it. And so that's a wrong God. I'm not saying that health, wealth, prosperity is not in the Bible because it actually is. But I don't think it's that extreme. And, and I don't think it's like focused on as much as people do. And, and, you know, there's a lot of social justice type of views on the opposite end of that. And there's actually a lot of um, real, you know, plain truth rules to that as well. You know, that there is health, wealth, prosperity. You know, if you do you know, follow God or something, I guess. But I don't think that's, it's something that we preach a lot. And so that's, I think that falls in that realm in some ways. So if you're pursuing God for your selfish reasons, 
Perhaps you're pursuing the wrong God for your own selfish reasons, all right? Or you're involving yourself in God for you know you you are you are bringing you are bringing into your life the wrong kind of God because you're sort of justifying whatever you want to do and you know you're you're bringing all these other things where you have no real idea and you shouldn't just go and just claim things that you don't know really you, you don't know if God is really doing these things and you so don't don't claim it just enjoy it but but adding that to your understanding and your theology and and that's the way you look. I mean, I mean, go ahead and believe that if you want. That's great. I mean, I wish I could be so, you know, I don't want to say dumb because I, I understand why people would, you know, believe in that. But just knowing, no, I guess not just knowing the things I know, but I don't know how people could do that personally. But if you want to do that, that's great. I wish I could turn that that thing of my brain off so I don't have to worry as much because it would be great to just attribute everything to God but I can't because I I have to take responsibility and I have to be true and in this way a lot of my liberal views are actually cons conservative and I, I feel it's so interesting when that happens but yeah all right um let's I guess we could move on hey look just Email me, please. Manifestchristianity at gmail.com. We have another show. It's called Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslet. That's me. Um, check that out. But hey, um, we're going to... No, we're not going to take a break. Let's talk about other stuff that we see in... Um, episode 6. You know, um, there's some uh, there's some things that I want to mention about this. You know, when you leave your Christian family, so so what I was talking about earlier. You know, when when you leave that Christian family because you're taking that real leap of faith, right? Because you cannot stay in that that faith community any longer. Because what it's doing is is not allowing you to grow personally, right? And you've been through the denial phase. That's all I'm talking. About. When you leave that community of faith people think it's really challenging you know to keep your faith and actually it really is but when you think about it you know a lot of people say oh you need a community like you really need a community because that is you know how your faith lives this and that And to a lot of extents, that is very true. But if you're out of those waters and now you're on your own, when you think about it, before you be, belong fully to a community, I'm, I'm, I think everyone should belong to a community of faith no matter what. But before you fully delve into, I feel, more committed types of um, being a part of that community, right? Whatever that means to you. It's more important to have a personal responsibility over your own faith, over your own spirituality and, and your own things. Um, 
a lot of people feel like, oh, what, you know, that's what church is for. No, no. You cannot blame the church on the state of your personal understanding, your personal feelings or your faith. You cannot blame other people. That's your personal responsibility. And that's what I'm talking about. A lot of people belong to communities and they get really intimate with them in the sense of they open themselves up to them in the sense of they let out their dirty laundry sometimes, a lot of times. And there's a lot of uh, resolution in their lives because of that. There's a lot of growth that happens in the community because those things are available. But there's also kind of it's almost like sometimes it's like, I wish I didn't know that. I wish I didn't be part of this. And and, and that's because some people air out their, their stuff in the church because that's the only place they have it. And that's great, but I feel people don't take personal responsibility over their own faith. Because if you really did, then, you know, yeah, you know, you should be part of that. But then, you know, some people just air out their stuff so much. You're just like, yo, is that, is that really necessary? I get I get the whole argument that church should be a place where the broken are able to heal. and But I don't think healing is necessarily always about expressing yourself in the community. <laughs> I hope you guys understand what I'm talking about. And you girls too, right? It's not all about that. Usually, you know, really, when you talk about just confessing and stuff even, like, you know, people say, oh, you you, you can't be uh, kind of like a renegade Christian or you can't be just on your own. You need a community because with that community, you're able to confess, you know, the things in your life, whether good or bad, you know, whatever that is. And you don't have that accountability. A lot of times, you know, when you get really personal and open with people, it could sometimes end up being like cosmetic and disingenuine. And that's another kind of reason why it's really a personal responsibility of being a Christian. Like, you can't just toss it to people all the time. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but all the time? You don't need to be sharing yourself with other people. I mean, I get it. People are lonely. But come on now. That's your personal stuff sometimes. That's your private stuff. People don't need to be knowing about certain things. I mean, it's great that one or two people know a lot of your stuff, like private things that you're going through, a few people, right? But when, you're, when you are letting it all out at the church, at the community, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm not trying to scare people in not sharing their prayer requests or anything. I'm just saying, just be careful. Maybe you have to suck it up and take personal responsibility over some of the stuff that you're dealing with and not use the church as a therapy tool to just air out your dirty laundry so you could 
you know, just vent. Church isn't meant for you to vent. That's not the healing. That's not the healing that Jesus is bringing. So you can come to Jesus and just vent. Personal responsibility. I think that's something that's important. Because it does get hard. It gets really hard when you leave the the faith community that you were part of. And we feel as if we always need each other to lean on. But that is actually the true test of your faith. If you're able to mature in your faith to the, to the point where you are taking full responsibility of your own faith, your own life. Because guess what? You cannot put that on anyone else. That's all on you. One of the first steps of the manifest. Sorry, that was like a quick change, but sorry if I talk like I'm preaching, but that's some big stuff for me. Um, but yeah, we're kind of done with that part. Listen, uh, when you are going through this manifest Christianity thing that I'm talking about, the one of the first steps that I talk about is called absorbing. This is like when you're out of that community, right? And you are taking your own personal responsibility, right? You need to absorb the things of the word of God. This is step one of the manifest Christianity, uh, I guess, approach to Christianity. is First, well, I guess you got to jump ship first, right? But one of the first things you need to do is you need to absorb. You need to absorb the things of God. You need to absorb the Bible and re, you know, listen to that podcast. I talk about it more. Um, but you need to absorb and you need to absorb for your own reasons. That's what I talk about in episode six. But I want to also add to that because I don't know, I hope I didn't talk about this on episode six because if I did, then this is just repeat. But adding to that, as you are trying to grasp more and more of the Bible through, you know, listening to preachers, listening to, you know, whatever, reading it, you know, um, even teaching it to people, whatever, you know, you know, all that stuff that I talked about in that, uh, uh, whatever episode that is about absorption. As you are absorbing all that, I wanted to add you need to also absorb all that Bible stuff while you have a full grasp of reality and the reality that you live in. Some people can go a little too far, and this is the only reason why I want to just put this on a side note. Some people can go really far and just absorb the Bible so much to the point where they are literally just kind of hermits. They separate themselves. You know, you're walking around, but you're a hermit. You're walking around, you're, you're, have, you're making, you know, fun talk with people, but you're, you're, you're just kind of closed off and you're just kind of on your own because, oh, I'm just, I'm absorbing. I'm not, when I say absorb and make your life, you know, absorbing the, I, I, you know, I talk about that, making your life that. 
you must also have full grasp that you are living in the real world, not a fake world, not a world that's all about Jesus. It's not all about, you know, even though I talk about my personal kind of feelings with faith and how I see, you know, like Jesus and the things of Christ, you know, in a lot of things throughout my life. But it's not like a big deal where it's like, oh, I make it a big deal and point it out. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's not about you living this life and just really enjoying it, experiencing, absorbing as much as you can because it's so interesting to you, right? It's not just about that, but you got to have full grasp. You know, you, you can't be like, just putting that on people, right? That's you, you know? And so um, full grasp of the fact that, yeah, even though this is happening in your own head, really, and really in your own life, most likely it doesn't mean that much to other people. And that's not a sad thing. That just makes it more real to you, and I feel. But it's not about the fact that, oh, because this is happening to you, you are experiencing the Bible and the, just the things of God in a way that's just so awesome. It doesn't matter if people know that or not. Because they're living in the world and having to experience all that on their own as well. And you are as well. So it's not about, you know, anything else. Just understand that. Understand that this could be happening to you, that you are absorbing. But it, it probably doesn't matter to anyone else that you run into or whatever. I hope you understand. If you don't understand, please send me questions. Manifestchristianity at gmail.com. Um... I think right now it's a good time to take a break. So we'll take a break right now and we'll come back. We will talk about something else maybe. And we're going to go into another book. It's a book that I, I, I've i never really done a lot of reading and studying. I, I've done studies of it and I've researched it, of course, uh, in just my academic career. But it's the book of Hosea. And so uh, it's going to be interesting. So stay tuned. We're going to take a break. And we, we'll be back. Thanks. Hey, we're back. So let's talk about something else I talk about in episode six. Oh, gosh. I hate this whole... I hate the fact that this whole episode is about another episode. But I think I like this because I'm just kind of flushing stuff out of that episode anyways. I talk about delegation in the church. I I hate the whole concept of delegation in the church. I understand people feel that it's biblical. But look, what I say to that, if you want to say a concept in the world is biblical because you find it in the Bible, that's kind of like in the realm of, oh, hey, Look, I want to have another uh, wife. I want to have more than one wife because look at these kings in the Bible. They had more than one wife, right? Or, oh, oh, um, you know, that, that whatever. 
I think it's the same because literally you could find anything in the Bible and you could say, oh, let's legitimize it because it's in the Bible. And I think delegation is one of those things. <laughs> I hate it. Listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't delegate in the church, but don't say that it's it's biblical because you, you see it in the Bible. Like, what is that? <laughs> Oh, eating bread is biblical. Oh, because Jesus ate bread. It's like that. Like, look, we're not, not everyone's living that Jewish ancient Near East, you know, life, right? So quit it. <laughs> but I talk about delegation and that it breeds lazy leaders. And the reason why I say that is, yeah, you need to delegate, right? But the way that people are learning to delegate, it's like this. They're saying a lot of people basically say, hey, it empowers. Delegating in the church empowers the people of the church to do the work of the church. Because if they're not doing the work of the church, then it's just always just one, one person and that's it. That's the, that's the argument. And so it's like, oh, then what is the church? Just people just coming and just doing nothing? You know, just the pastor, the, the, the staff doing everything? Well, listen, in the modern world that we live in, delegating the things of the church might mean a lot to the staff and the leadership of the church, but that is because the church is now a business and they need to make sure those things are happening in the church so that people stay in the church, so that the people can keep tithing and have a reason for, for tithing. You know, you don't just do things and have things happen in the church just for the sake of it. There's a reason why the church needs to stay clean. Hmm? Think about it. There's a reason why, you know, the, the chairs that you sit in when you go to church or even if you're pastoring, the, you know, the microphone and all these things, there's a reason why those don't have dust on them right? And those are not broken all the time. Hopefully, maybe they are, but. And the reasons why they have events, the reasons why they have things that they always ask the people to do, even though they know some people, it's just too much for them. And people in the, in the same sense, they're guilty of this too, because they're like, oh, you know, I, I had no time. I had to do this and that with my life, but they just wanted me to do it and I did it. And in the end, oh, I was so blessed. People say so many things. Listen, people have their own lives. Delegating is great. But it is not empowering the church. It's just having the church do things and having them be part of the community. But once you, people love responsibility and so they, they try to look for those people, right? And that's great when you find that in church. But once you put that on someone who's not like that, where you're like, oh, you found the purpose in this church. You know, I know you're not the type to do this, but you do this. And then, and then they put on themselves like, oh, you know, I was challenged. Oh, I get challenged at church because I'm doing things I would never do. And I love it. I'm, I'm blessed. 
and you see that it's actually not that much of a blessing. It's just kind of another, you know, just, just another thing added into your life where you're just like, I'm not really blessed, but, you know, I'm just kind of, I feel that again because they said, you know, eh, this is the purpose. Listen, unless people are voluntarily doing things, as a staff member of a church myself, shut up and just do the work. My goodness. Lazy. <laughs> you're not empowering people. You're you're using them. They got a life too. They got stuff to do. Do you know, if you think of everyone at church, if you're not one of these, you're in the faithful, people ask you to do things for the good of the group and you're like, yeah, sure, I guess. And you do it and you're like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. Oh, and then you do more and more and more and more and you're like, uh, this is starting to become my responsibility. Oh, I guess I'm owning the community. Like, If they want to do that, that's great. But once you make this a thing where it's like you're training pastors, and this does happen, you train them and say, oh, look at what people are interested in, quote unquote, interested. And then maybe you put them in that because they're already halfway there, right? No, they're not. People could have interest in a lot of things, but it doesn't mean that they that's the role for them in the kingdom. And although delegating is necessary, it's not something that you make spiritual. And nothing that you oh, Jesus delegated. Oh, the early church delegated. Look at Stephen. He he delegated, right? You know, he 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 found some people with other names other than Jewish names to lead the church in Antioch. I think that's that's the story. And they're like, oh, see, that's delegation. It's like, yeah, and uh, you know, there's other things in the Bible so that we just kind of say, Oh, yeah, there you go. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's it's ridiculous when I hear that. It's like, don't don't throw God at that. <laughs> Once again, you're just throwing God at it. Like, oh, look, we want to highlight delegation. So here, God said delegation works. See what Jesus did? He he sent out the 72. Oh, he sent out the 12 to do his, you know, do the work of the kingdom. That's delegate. That was just what he did. It's that's plain and simple, but you want to put a label on that. You want to throw God at that so that you can tell other people to do it. Lazy, lazy. Anyways, now you know kind of how I really feel about leadership at churches. I feel most people are lazy. Like they don't want to do the work and so they throw it on people who quite possibly have more important lives. <laughs> Email me, message me, manifestchristianity at gmail. What do you think about that? The stuff that I'm talking about right now. All right. Right now, let's get into the book of Hosea. I'm not going to talk about anything else to preface this book because I think it's very interesting getting into it. And this first chapter is actually really short, so... Um... I don't know. Maybe I'll do two chapters. Nah, let's keep it a chapter at a time to make sure that we get our money's worth here, right? Right? All right. Let's see. This might be a short episode because of this. 
the book of Hosea, chapter 1. I use the NRSV. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, in the days of King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah, and in the days of King Jeroboam, son of Joash of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. Then the Lord said to him, Name her Lo-Rohama, for I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them but I will have pity on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned Lo-Ruhama, she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said, Name him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the people of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which can neither be measured nor numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. It shall be said to them, Children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall take possession of the land. For great shall be the day of Jezreel. Whoa. <laughs> Right off the bat, huh? Okay, we're going to just do that. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. That's, that is some heavy stuff right off the bat. Gosh. So, um, I don't know how to pronounce some of these names, so I just did it. This is a very heavy story right off the bat. Not going to lie. I don't know if you can make this into anything more 
light. <laughs> when the verse two, right? The Lord, when the Lord first spoke to Hosea, look, I I didn't do any study of this book uh, before this. I've done a study. I researched this because that's part what what you do for a master of divinity. Also, when you go through Bible college, when you get a theological kind of training, when you work at church for over twenty years, almost twenty years now. Um, I I I haven't done this book in a long time, but I haven't read anything about this. But when I see the verse two, when the Lord first spoke to Hosea. This is what God said to this dude named Hosea. When the first thing, like when you listen, when when you think about what what you would hear when God speaks to you for the first time, you probably wouldn't anticipate God saying, "Oh, uh, take a whore." <laughs> No, you wouldn't. So this is just so heavy right off the bat. Like when the first, and that's not a small thing, right? That is like so disgraceful. Oh my gosh. It's like, God, are you kidding me? Wow. If you think about somebody in these days, who would do that? But even back then, think about it. Like why would anyone, why would anyone do That's crazy. Take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. That, I'm not sure what that means. Um, have children of whoredom, you know, probably means from that kind of relationship, have that. And then if for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. And so he went and took Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and or Diblaim, I don't know. And she conceived and bore him a son. That's that's not even, that's like the first, in, in verse 2 and 3 of this book of Hosea, that is just such a heavy scene to set. Like, go take yourself a whore and have children because the people or the land are whores. <laughs> I don't know why I have this Boston accent when I say whore. But he's basically saying, take yourself a wife that is a whore, right? Person who sleeps around a lot, prostitute, whatever, and have children with that person because the land is committing this type of whore type of action by forsaking God. Let that settle in. Why does Hosea have to marry, go through a celebration, a ceremony, even if they didn't? literally live with someone and then have children with for why that is mind-boggling that is insane why oh because the land is doing the same thing is being disgraceful and having children who are also from that type of upbringing and relationship that is what is happening because they're forsaking God. Listen, whether this story is real or not, which really doesn't matter, because if you are religious in any way, if you're following the Bible anyway, it doesn't matter if it's real or not, right? That, that, that makes no sense. Or, well, not really, but if you want it to be real, then okay, sure, whatever. Make, make up some things. And even if it's not real, 
that is such a crazy thing. And it's it's not even just like, oh, just do it. He goes, oh, start naming your kids that I told you to change your whole life and do all this stuff. Start naming them specific names because of whatever reason. It's crazy. Wow. Look, we're, we're almost running out of time. Uh, this is basically anything else I have to say. It just kind of lies around just whatever I just expressed to you all right now. This is a heavy thing. She had another kid. It was a daughter. Oh, it's like, it's crazy. He said, you know, name him this because I'm going to punish the house of Jehu. This is verse four. Then I'm going to put a head. Then I'm going to put an end to Israel, right? I'll break the bow of Israel. And then, oh, there was daughter in the, you know, he says, oh, name her this because I'm never going to have, I'm not going to have pity on you anymore. But I will have pity on Judah. Uh, this is verse seven. And then I'm going to save them. I will save them, uh, but not by anything else. And then um, another kid was born and, Name this because uh, you are not my people and I'm not your God. So this Hosea guy is basically, that's, look, it's a horrible life. It's horrible. But I don't know if that's what we're supposed to be focusing on in this story. Because it seems like there's a lot more things going on. You could focus on that, you know, if you want. Your, your right to think of whatever you want. I'm just here just bringing my perspective. Thanks for listening, by the way. Look, verse, look at, let's go. Verse 10, 11 is basically, it says, you know, even though all this crap is going to happen because, you know, God is kind of upset, I guess. <laughs> of course, obviously. Um, they're still going to be restored. So, yeah, there. Um, interesting. Very interesting. Listen, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate everyone. If you can, Please reply to me, not reply, message me with any feedback, questions, comments, um, ideas for what else I can do. Like, I think after the book of Hosea, I don't know where, where else to go with the show. So, yeah, that would be great. Also, please share this podcast. Um. That would mean a lot to me, you know, and uh, thank you for those of you have, who have been sharing and who've been, you know, just, oh, I know somebody in my life. You know, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, oh, I know someone who, who might really want to hear this stuff. Thanks so much for sharing. It really does mean a lot when I know that people are actually listening to the stuff I'm doing. I'm not a guru. I'm not trying to lead you away from God. Listen to my podcast. I really don't think I'm trying to do that. But thanks so much for sharing. And also... Please listen to the other show that we have, um, Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslet. I might just go and record that right now. But thanks so much for listening. Message me and have a great one. You have been listening to Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslet.